This JMR podcast is sponsored by the Journal of Medical Regulation, serving for over a century as the premier publication on physician licensure, discipline, and regulation. To learn more, visit jmronline.org. Welcome to the JMR podcast. I'm David Johnson, your host for today's podcast. We are recording on August 31, 2022, and my guest today is Sharona Hoffman, Edgar Hahn Professor of Law and Professor of Bioethics, as well as co-director of the Law Medicine Center at Case Western Reserve University School of Law. Her article, Physicians and Cognitive Decline, a Challenge for State Medical Boards, appears in the current issue of the Journal of Medical Regulation. Professor Hoffman, welcome to the JMR podcast. It's my pleasure to be here. Well, wonderful. It's great to have you joining us today. Now, Professor Hoffman, before we go into the specifics of your article, I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how you came to focus on this particular topic and line of research. Sure. So, first of all, my husband has Parkinson's disease, and Cognitive decline is one of the risks of Parkinson's disease, so I've had to think about this issue for very personal reasons. And partly because of caring for Andy and my parents and other people, I actually wrote a book that is called Aging with a Plan, How a Little Thought Today Can Vastly Improve Your Tomorrow. It's now in a second edition that came out this year and is available on Amazon. And that book talks about how to plan for and establish legal, social, medical, financial, and other support systems for aging and caregiving. And one of the reasons to plan for all of that is the risk that you will develop dementia and won't be able to make decisions for yourself or that someone you are caring for will develop cognitive decline and you will need to know what they wanted. So I had to think a lot about cognitive decline and research it in the process of writing this book. Uh, So I got very interested in that aspect of, of aging and the article I wrote flows from that. Yeah, it's clearly that's a professional and personal interest sort of combining there. That's that's an interesting background to this piece. Um, you've used the phrase cognitive decline. And so why don't we start with that? Because uh, cognitive decline, obviously, as you've alluded to, is not an issue specific to physicians or even clinicians defined in general. So can you talk about this as just a somewhat normal condition, I guess I would say, of human aging? Absolutely. It's a very widespread problem. So in the United States, we have 6.2 million seniors out of 56 million that have Alzheimer's dementia. And uh, lots of people get it before age 65. And there are other types of dementia, such as Lewy body dementia and others. So it's quite widespread. The risk of Alzheimer's disease doubles every five years after the age of 65, and almost one-third of people who are 85 and older have some form of dementia. And this is a concern really among 
many, many professions. There's lots of discussion of it. There lo there's lots of literature with respect to lawyers, judges, and others. So lots of professions are grappling with these challenges. And one of the problems is that fewer than half of people with dementia actually receive a medical diagnosis. They don't go to doctors, they don't express their concerns, they don't get tested, they don't get a diagnosis. So we have a lot of people in a lot of workplaces that have problems that aren't being addressed. Well, you, you mentioned a significant portion of that population that's not even being uh, tested or assessed. And in fact, one of the things I found really interesting and, and surprising from your article was that there's really not a single definitive tool to assess cognitive decline. So can you talk a little bit about that and uh, the challenge that that must create? It does create challenges. There are a lot of different cognitive tests. Some of them are mini tests that take just a few minutes. Some are more thorough tests that take hours. But there aren't tests that are tailored to particular professions that really try to determine whether somebody who is doing a particular job is still competent to do that job. And it's very difficult to determine if someone's cognitive decline, if you do identify some kind of cognitive impairment, whether that affects job performance. And so even among physicians, there are all sorts of different jobs. And someone, for example, who's a radiologist who reads x-rays all the time and just needs to interpret whether there's a tumor or some abnormality might be able to continue doing that even if there is some cognitive decline. But you probably don't want a neurosurgeon doing surgery with cognitive decline. Um, so it's very challenging to determine whether cognitive decline will affect job performance and to de determine what testing to use. Well, that, that makes sense. So even just getting the diagnosis itself doesn't necessarily mean that an action is necessarily warranted in each and every instance. Um, I thought your article was extremely pragmatic in uh, acknowledging the climate, if I can use that term, in this country at least for standardized assessments and mandated exams within the medical profession. I'm wondering, you know, how problematic is this climate for those who are trying to address the issue of cognitive decline in uh, clinicians? It's very problematic. I talked to quite a number of doctors while I was writing the article, and I was not surprised to find that they weren't very enthusiastic about the idea of testing to identify cognitive decline. And they rightly pointed out a lot of the shortcomings of testing, the, the ones we've talked about, and were just generally resistant to being subjected to extra testing. On the other hand, I'm sure that no physician wants to end their career with a huge catastrophe, with some kind of medical mistake that hurts people uh, that could have been avoided if cognitive decline had been identified. So I'm hoping that there's a way to make clinicians feel that some kind of late career testing program 
helps them and protects them and not only patients, that it's a way to avoid mistakes that will actually be catastrophic for them as well. But that will take some work because we would have to design appropriate tests that are good at discerning whether cognitive decline uh, affects the job performance of doctors doing particular tasks. And that doesn't necessarily have to be cognitive testing. It might be substantive knowledge testing. You might ask them to go through scenarios or hypotheticals. And some of the specialty boards are actually already using that approach. They have you take quizzes periodically or work through hypotheticals. And so medical boards could do a similar thing or could even accept scores from specialty boards if somebody has gone through that kind of testing. So we would want to make sure this is not very onerous for clinicians. We don't want people retiring early just in order to avoid testing. Uh, but I'm hoping that there's a way to make clinicians accept it, if not embrace it. I see. So as I look through your article, you know, we're talking about late career physicians oftentimes because of this part of a normal, I think for many of us, human aging is one of the byproducts. And there are two pieces of federal legislation that you talk about. Uh, the ADEA, the Age Discrimination and Employment Act, and the perhaps better known, I think more generally to the public, ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act. I wonder if you could kind of remind our listeners, though, how those particular pieces of legislation are pertinent to this topic and to, to state medical boards. Sure. The ADEA, as you said, is the Age Discrimination in Employment Act, and it applies to employers. It prohibits age discrimination. And this is one of the reasons that I think employers are not in the best position to do this kind of testing, because if they test everyone, let's say, who has reached their 70th birthday or 75th birthday, and those people are not having job performance problems, that could be considered age discrimination because they're subjecting people to testing just because of their age. And that would be prohibited by the ADEA. This law doesn't apply to state medical boards to licensing boards because they don't have the same profit motive. You don't have to be concerned the licensing boards uh, want to get rid of employees because they have high salaries and they want to hire younger people who can be paid less. So it's really just the Age Discrimination in Employment Act. The second piece of legislation is more comprehensive. It's the Americans with Disabilities Act, and it governs disability discrimination. So it has very strict testing provisions that apply to employers. So it says that any testing that an employer does of employees has to be job related and consistent with business necessity. And that has been interpreted to mean that testing has to be justified by evidence of actual job performance problems. There is also a provision that applies to licensing boards that prohibits discrimination. But the courts that have assessed 
relevant cases have said that licensing boards can actually do testing to determine if someone is qualified for the job that they are doing or are going to do, because that is the function of licensing boards, to determine if you're qualified for particular jobs. Now, what these licensing boards can't do is investigate past problems like past addictions or temporary cognitive problems that are attributable to medication or a particular illness, but they can do testing to determine existing competencies. Another thing to understand is the ADA also has a reasonable accommodation requirement. So even if you identify cognitive decline, you can't as a knee-jerk reaction just fire the person. You have to have an interactive process by which you try to determine if there are any accommodations that can be made. So maybe the person could keep working if you just cut away a few of their tasks, but they could be very productive with other tasks. Or maybe you can have some memory aids if memory is a problem. And so you need to provide those reasonable accommodations, if possible, under the ADA. If they are not possible, we don't want people who are not qualified to do the job, so you are permitted to revoke licenses or fire people who are clearly unqualified. You, know, you described some uh, proactive measures to address uh, physician cognitive decline in Canada. And I wonder if you could speak to that in terms of what some of those provinces have been doing and maybe why that model doesn't seem very transferable to the U.S. And I'm thinking specifically of some of what you cited in Ontario and Mantoa, for example. Right. So I'm hoping it ultimately is somewhat transferable, but okay. right now that's not what we're doing. So um, yes, several Canadian provinces do have some kind of late career testing program. In Ontario, physicians who reach the age of 70 undergo peer and practice assessments, which are performed every five years thereafter if they keep practicing. In Manitoba, physicians, clinical assistants, and physician assistants all have to participate in an audit when they reach the age of 75 to determine if they're still competent. And in British Columbia, physicians over the age of 70 are prioritized for a physician assessment every three to five years. Um, now, in Canada, I think they are used to a lot of rules and government intervention because they have a single payer system. Mm -hmm. The government runs healthcare. Here, we emphasize autonomy and contractual relationships, and we are pretty resistant to extensive government intervention. So, these programs have not been implemented here. Well, your, your article also cites, and I think you sort of, you're taking us right to this point of some of the obstacles to addressing cognitive decline here in the U.S., which is sort of the reactive model or the complaint-based system we have for medical board discipline, the, the lack of resources that perhaps wouldn't allow the vast majority of state medical boards to, if any, to conduct the kind of uh, monitoring that you described in Canada, and in some ways just inertia, if not right, 
outright right opposition from the profession. So I, I wonder, Professor Hoffman, do you find yourself hopeful that change will come despite these kinds of obstacles? I am hoping uh, that change comes, especially as uh, we hear more in the media about cognitive decline and there's increasing concern about it. But it would definitely take work. It can't happen overnight. We would, as I said, have to develop appropriate testing mechanisms. Um, medical boards would need more resources and there would have to be physician buy-in. It can't be a program that is uniformly uh, seen as a terrible thing for physicians and that they remain resistant to. And we'd have to make sure that testing isn't too burdensome. We'd have to have initial testing that isn't very cumbersome and only then if you identify a problem would you do more extensive testing. And you'd have to have safeguards so you couldn't just revoke uh, licenses as soon as a small problem is identified. Um, you would have to have a more thorough process. You'd have to have a hearing so that the physician could present evidence that they are still competent to do their job. Um, and there would have to be the due process protections that you have in, in disciplinary cases. So it would take some work, but I'm hoping that we become committed to implementing some kind of program that can protect both physicians and patients. Sounds like you're going to be half, uh, the glass is half full in this instance. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this uh, to sort of wrap things up. What would you like for a uh, board member or a staff member from a state medical board to take away from our conversation or your article itself? Yeah, I hope they take away that cognitive decline is a very serious and prevalent problem and it can't be ignored. So medical boards are tasked with safeguarding patient welfare and this is one area where they really could make a difference. Right now, identifying pot potential cases of cognitive decline is left up to self-reporting. So physicians are expected to come forward and say, I think I'm having a problem. But that often doesn't happen. As I said before, a lot of people don't get a diagnosis. A lot of people are in denial. They just think they're having a bad day or two. Um, and they're not inclined to say, I think I'm having cognitive decline. Another layer of protection is I think all states require physicians to report on colleagues that they think are having an addiction problem or cognitive decline or, or some other problem. But they've done studies and this doesn't happen all that often. Colleagues are very hesitant to report on colleagues. And in the case of cognitive decline, again, it's very difficult to discern. It's very easy to think the person is tired, the person is stressed, the person is having marital problems. And you just don't jump to the conclusion that they're having cognitive decline and therefore you're not likely to go reach out to the medical board. So that is why I propose some kind of late career testing 
program as a way to identify cases of cognitive decline. And I think that the party that is in the best position to implement such a program is state medical boards rather than employers or anyone else. So I think we really can't turn a blind eye to concerns about cognitive decline in the workforce, and it deserves really thoughtful attention. Well, wonderful. I'd like to thank you, Professor Hoffman, uh, for joining us today. Our listeners can find Professor Hoffman's article in the current issue of JMR at jmronline.org. I'd like to thank everybody for listening today, and I hope you'll join us for our next JMR podcast. Have a great day, everybody. This JMR podcast is sponsored by the Journal of Medical Regulation, serving for over a century as the premier publication on physician licensure, discipline, and regulation. To learn more, visit jmronline.org.